up and welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. We are here on a Monday with week one of the NFL preseason in the books. Michael Beller, Brandon Funston, Jake Seeley here with you guys. We all know we don't want to overreact to things that happen in the preseason, but I think there are a good amount of things that we can properly react to after what we saw in week one. Jake, Brandon, how you guys doing here on this Monday? <laughs> Happy we got football. Good. Yeah, yeah, it's nice to watch some football for a change. Wasn't it nice? It was, it was good to it was good to be able to pop on these games, even though we didn't see a ton of great action or a ton of starters playing. It was fun to be able to rely on great action. The TV. Did you Thursday not watch? Did you Sunday. not watch PJ PJ Walker? What are you talking about? Not a ton oh, of great I, action. Oh, I, oh, I saw PJ Walker. I saw I saw quite a bit of quarterback stuff that I want to talk about on this episode here, but it was just great. It was great to be able to reliably turn on the TV over the weekend and find some football and find some things that we can really take away, I think, in the fantasy world. So we're going to get through every single game, uh, maybe not every single one, because there were some that didn't have a ton to take away from in the fantasy world, but we're going to get through a lot of the games. And we've got it structured in such a way that we're talking about the most actionable, the most important stuff that happened over the weekend as it relates to fantasy football at the very top of the show here. And I think if there was one thing, guys, that I take away from this weekend, it's that it's time to be a little bit worried about Miles Gaskin. Dolphins and Bears getting together after a week or a couple of days of joint practices, then they play a real game over the weekend. And Miles Gaskin wasn't out there with the first team for Miami off the jump, even though Tua Tungavailoa was out there and a lot of Miami starters were out there. Miles Gaskin wasn't out there. If you just take what we saw over the weekend, it would look as though he is the clear number two to Malcolm Brown. Brown played 16 of Tua's snaps. Gaskin played just seven of them. We've all been treating Miles Gaskin as the number one guy in Miami. Some of us have been treating him that uh, treating him to that extent that we like him as an RB2. Some people maybe not quite as high, but everyone's been assuming that he's leading this backfield. So, Jake, after what we saw over the weekend, how worried are you and how far down your rankings do you push him? Yeah, I'm 100% worried. Uh, this one's not even a doubt. This isn't an overreaction. Uh, you talk about running with the starters and on top of that. Now, Malcolm Brown didn't look great. Uh, but the reason I'm also on top of this concern is because I was already concerned with the Malcolm Brown signing to begin with, not to this level. I still thought Miles Gaskin was going to be the lead. Right. I am a Miles Gaskin talent fan. People should know that by now. But Gaskin's now down to 30, and he's in the same range as the Bucks running backs for me. Is I don't if I can. I don't want anything to do with it. Uh, I jokingly said this to somebody over the weekend. They're like, oh, I drafted Ronald Jones in the ninth round because it was only backups at that point. I'm like, just take the backups. I'd rather <laughs> take. No, I'm serious. Like, I, I know no, that yeah, sounds know. like I'm I'm joking, but it's not. I'd rather take A.J. Dillon, sit on him, and then if something to, it happens to Aaron Jones, I have an RB2 at least, than trying to figure out and chase my tail on the Dolphins running backs and the Buccaneers running backs and all these backfields that are committees. A timeshare is two people. Once you get committee, which is three, and get the hell away from that. And then what did Flores say this morning? Or maybe last night. It was reported this morning. Everybody's going night. to be used. And it's Ackman included. Everybody's going to have a role. Everybody's going to get their touches. I would love if it could be Gaskin. But this looks clearly like it's not going to be without an injury. I, I'm just like, I'm trying to like pinch myself and say, wait a minute, guys. <laughs> it's it's week one of the preseason. Like, you know, Malcolm Brown's never played a snap with Tua in live action before. Like, there could be something to that. Like, if you want me to bet on Malcolm Brown versus Miles Gaskin right now, give me Miles Gaskin a thousand times out of a thousand. Like, I, I just, I think this is an overreact right now. I, I look at we know who Malcolm. We can't forget who Malcolm Brown is. He is a ham and agar supreme. We can't forget who Brian Flores is. Everything last year told us that he's a guy that likes to use one back more than most coaches like to lean on one back. And even if that was Miles Gaskin, he was doing it. Even if it was Savon Ahmed, he was doing it. When Matt Breida, Matt Breida was there a lot of the time, and he wasn't getting a whole lot of run. I mean, yes, every coach will tell you everybody in their backfield get used for something. It doesn't really mean anything. It means they'll literally get used for something. But in a lot of cases, it's not a lot. So uh, to me, this is an overreact. I, I moved down Miles Gaskin a little bit, not into the 30s. He's like 25 for me. Where was he before that? Do you know off like, the top of your head? It was 22. All right. So you I, moved I'm more, him down I, I'm more legitimately concerned that maybe Savon Ahmed, that Brian Flores does go to a little bit more of a timeshare. But I think it's with Savon Ahmed. I don't think Malcolm Brown does anything other than maybe goal line and, and some just, you know, just some situational stuff. Touches. 
That's well, the absolutely. But there's but there's guys that steal goal line touches in a lot of different places where we. But, yeah, know. but they're dealing with one other person, not two. That's the thing. Like I moved him down from twenty four to thirty. It's not like I'm crucifying the guy and burying him for all fantasy purposes. And ten, he's still the number one out of the backfield of the three Dolphins running backs. It's just you well, mentioned it. I think part of it is that too. Is that it was Gaskin and then it was Ahmed and then it was like it's 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 the lesser version of Shanahan. And the fact that, like, I don't trust you week to week. But that wasn't who Flores was last year. I just don't know that after one. No, I meant I don't trust game. who his guy is. Like, he'll turn to his guy, but I don't trust that it's Gaskin every single week, as in I don't even trust the usage. I don't disagree with you anything outside of Malcolm Brown either. But if you remember last year, Malcolm Brown was a thorn in the side at the beginning for the Rams the first couple of games. Like, he just that's who he is. <laughs> Brandon, you know, if you, it, it, unless we see something different here over the next couple of games for Miami, it, it would seem that if you follow this track that you would end up with quite a bit of Miles Gaskin. Is that something you think you'd be okay with, even if we see similar game plans from Miami over these next couple of preseason weeks? Yeah, because even at the University of Washington, Savon Ahmed wasn't great in the passing game. I mean, he looked better last year. But like, if you're looking at this team, I mean... If they're all going to kind of be getting a decent amount of touches, we know that receptions are worth way more in fantasy than right. than a carry. And Miles Gaskin should get most of them, um, the majority of them, out of the backfield. So, yeah, I'm still – I mean, yeah, I'm a little bit worried. But to me, preseason week two is going to be the normal preseason mm-hmm. week three from the past. And that's going to be the most telling thing. I think – you know, I'm not going to I'm going to treat this as like, like I said, maybe they want to see Malcolm Brown play with Tua because they already know what Malcolm, Miles Gaskin and Savon Ahmed, you know, fair thought. So it's a maybe fair that's thought what they're sure. doing. So that's where um, I'm at. I'll, I'll watch next week and see how it goes. All right, guys, it's we're like seven minutes into this show. We're a couple minutes into talking about this game. I've, I've held off long enough. Let's talk about Justin Fields. <laughs> I know he was playing against backup guys. He was playing with backup guys himself. I think I saw Jake make a good point on Twitter during the game about people loving to pick and choose when the backup guy narrative does matter, when the backup guy narrative doesn't matter. Let's just forget about that. The numbers in the back box score look very good. Uh, Jake, when you watch Justin Fields, what did you take away from that? that this is what we've known about Justin Fields. <laughs> He's the best talent in that quarterback room, but... Whether or not that means he's starting week one is a giant question. And if they want to sacrifice Andy Dalton to the Rams Wolves on the road in week one, I, you know, I wouldn't even blame him for that. But, you know, for all the people that for the past however many weeks were all over the Trey Lance and how great Trey Lance is going to be. And I'm not, that, <laughs> not even saying this. We had this argument on the show, but it's not like we had a huge gap. And that's my point is there's, there's this huge gap in the fantasy community of like, oh, it's Trey Lance. He's going to be a QB one. And like we're forgetting that. Oh, God. Oh, Tr- Justin Fields was doing this. Before Trey Lance, better than Trey Lance in college, if you look at his numbers and his look at his play and look at his level of competition, and everybody's going bananas for Trey Lance, and it, Justin Fields is doing the same thing. Nobody wants to talk about him. What you saw is the upside. And yeah, what my tweet was about is that people will say, well, it was against the second team defense. Well, let's talk about the fact he was using a second team offense. And that's what my tweet was about is like people ignore one while they're the exact same things happening on the other side. He didn't even have Allen Robinson yet. He even had this full complement of talent around him in the backfield and the wide receivers. So Justin Fields, in my opinion, you know this. I, I agreed with Brandon on this aspect. I said, if Justin Fields was on the 49ers, I would take him over Trey Lance. For fantasy purposes, I give Lance the slate edge just because he's on the 49ers. But talent alone, it's Justin Fields. Yeah, I think I'm at with Justin Fields. If you gave me like what week will he be a starter and put the over-under at three and a half, I think I'm taking the under. I think he's in. I, like Jake said, maybe they don't choose to throw him to the Wolves against the Rams. Let me just jump one. in really quick. Sorry, Brandon. Let me jump in. Bears' first three games at Rams, home for the Bengals, at Browns. Those are the first home, three games that you would assume Home for Andy the Bengals, baby. Is going That's to a be soft facing. landing. Aren't they home for like the Lions or something in week four? I think that sounds right. Home for the, they, I know they don't play that's the Packers until like week, week four at the six. Latest. Yeah. Home for the Lions sound, but I know for sure it's at Rams Sunday night football week one, home Cincinnati at Cleveland are the Bears first three weeks of the season. So, okay. yeah, I mean, yeah. I guess that's, yeah, that's a decent home for the Bengals, unless you want to play the uh, Andy Dalton nar- uh, revenge game narrative <laughs> that you could play up there. <laughs> God. Oh, man. Uh, Although he got that out of his system a little bit last week or last season, I believe, right? There was a there was a Cowboys Bengals game mixed in there when he was starting. Um, anything else from this game? Any other Bears Dolphins takeaways, uh, Brandon, that you have uh, after watching this one? Or was uh, is it Gaskin, which you're just d- dismissing fields and then we can move on? 
No, I mean, Savan Ahmed jumped out of me, like I said. And so, I'm, um, you know, these, that was the University of Washington backfield for a couple of seasons. I could see mm-hmm. that just being reinstituted here. Um, so that's why I pulled back more than the Malcolm Brown. And if, if it matters that Malcolm Brown actually ran with the ones, does it matter that he ran nine times for eight yards and did Malcolm Brown things? Because I think that sort of, you know, if we're going to count one, we got to count both. Like performance right. should count as well. So, anyways. Jake, anything else from this game you want to talk about? No, Jalen Waddle looked not banged up like everybody said he was. <laughs> so right. that, that'd be intriguing, but yeah, not not much else to go off of this. Nineteen snaps too played pretty much the what like uh, two thirds, three fourths of the time that Tua was out there. So even though the Dolphins had some receivers who were sitting in this game, nice to see him get that much work in his first career NFL game with Tua out there as well. Let's move on to uh, the Jets and the Giants, and here's another thing that maybe. We're a little bit concerned about maybe not quite as cut and dried, at least as far as Jake and I are concerned uh, in this backfield. But with Michael Carter, uh, there is something to think about here in that he played just nine of Zach Wilson's 22 snaps. Ty Johnson played 13 of them. Johnson played all of the third down snaps as well. You also had Tevin Coleman being held out of this game. And we know Tevin Coleman's going to be involved to what extent he is going to be involved in the Jets backfield. We can debate about, but we know he's going to have a role Jake, both you guys have actually been very high on Michael Carter all offseason. Jake, I'll let you take this one first, though. Does this change anything for you after seeing the way he was used in his first game? No, and mostly because talent in this uh, situation. You know, we've seen this before. It's rookie, first game, all that type of stuff. Uh, The Ty Johnson use on third down is a little bit concerning because Michael Carter is, that's, I mean, where so much value lies and has been able to be dangerous in the passing game. And the comparisons I keep making is Austin Eckler. I don't need him. He's not going to touch the ball 20 times a game. Even if Tevin Coleman got hurt tomorrow and Ty Johnson got cut, they'd bring somebody else in because that's not who he is. Uh, But that being said, similar to what Brandon was saying about Gaskin is if this lasts into the second and third game, then you start getting concerned, but you get concerned about his week one and week two and stuff like that he would be that at that point he would be a great stash and the fact by the middle of the season he's going to be the top option in this backfield maybe it doesn't happen week one but it's still going to happen at some point yeah like jay said i'll just echo talent you know i mean michael carter was the my favorite guy to watch on film when you're looking at the rookie guys coming in i just Mm -hmm. Loved his whole game. So, uh, look, I know who Ty Johnson is. I know who Tevin Coleman is. And I will bet on Michael Carter. Absolutely. What else do we look at with this Jets offense? Obviously, I'm going to throw up the fact that we were talking about Zach Wilson uh, getting his first career NFL action. And uh, he looked okay, right? Went 6-9, uh, 463 yards. Corey Davis played nine of the team's first 11 snaps. Got four targets. Caught a couple of them for 18 yards. Denzel Mims did not play at all. With Zach Wilson, Brandon, is there anything else to take away from, I guess, either side of this game? I didn't see really much of fantasy note on the Giants side, so I really want to focus this on the Jets. Anything you take away from the passing game with what we saw in this one? Yeah, I hardly know any of the Giants that played, but um, Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, it was... I guess it was heartening if, if you are invested in Corey Davis to see they kind of made a concerted effort to go his way. Um, that, that was a good first sign. So I, I think that's probably what I would take away from that, if, if, of anything being sort of meaningful. Yeah, I think. Jake, the same biggest, question to you. Yeah, biggest takeaway I had was the use for Corey Davis and the fact that he was targeted so much. Uh, it could be very poor targets, similar to what we've seen from wide receivers throughout the years, and maybe only catches 55% of them, uh, being the number one in Zach Wilson's struggles. But you're going to be telling me he's going to get 20-plus percentage target share for this team. My biggest concern was that too many other people were going to be involved. It's just one game. You have to watch it. That carries over, obviously. But if Corey Davis is going to be getting that volume, it's similar to Allen Robinson in the years past. If he's going to be getting the volume, might not be the best volume, but volume is volume. <laughs> and that kind of put, no, I'm just saying it puts Corey Davis as undervalued right now if he's going to be getting that kind of work. Yeah, again, we're, we, we keep leaning on this ADP data that stretches back pretty far. So it's maybe a tiny bit outdated, but Corey Davis has been pretty stubbornly sitting in the late 40s at wide receiver ADP, somewhere in like the 130 yeah. range overall. And that's where Too he is right period. now, wide receiver 49. We've been talking about that a lot, I think, on this show. I mean, we've talked about it from the fact that like 
this is still an NFL offense. There's going to be a receiver on this team who probably breaks into the top 40, right? And uh, there's no one on the Jets. Corey Davis leads the team in wide receiver ADP at wide receiver 49. And we know what he did last year. He looks like he could be the wide receiver one for this team this season. Very good to see him get as much work as he did in this first preseason game and first real NFL game action with Zach Wilson. Let's move on to our next game here, guys. It is 49ers and Chiefs. And of course, the big news coming out of this one was how Trey Lance looked. I'm just going to put it to you guys like this. Brandon, you can take it first. Is Trey Lance starting week one? Is, I mean, can we, can we bet on that? Mm, man, I think if we're – I honestly think Jimmy Garoppolo starting week one. But I, I it's kind of like yeah. Justin Fields. I'm moving up the timeline uh, as each week passes for the, mm-hmm. when I expect them to – you know, if you would have talked to me a few weeks ago, I would have said maybe second half of the season. They'd really slow play it. But, yeah, Trey Lance may not be down with that kind of uh, schedule. So he's kind of – you know, he <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. obviously kind of <laughs> got some electric skills there. And, and, you know, everybody was going crazy about the 80-yard touchdown bomb. Um, you know, he had three drops. So his line didn't look quite as good as it could have overall. Um, but yeah, I think it's 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 definitely I'm into like maybe a month into the season he's out there. I, th- I still think Garoppolo's in there to start. No, also it could have looked a lot worse because he had an interception that could have easily been made, right. and he had some poor throws. But that's who Trey Lance is. He took so. four sacks also. That, thank you for that as well. That's where I was going with this next is if you watch the full game, like all people are going to see is the highlight play. And this mm-hmm. is this is what our job is. You know, we're sitting here and this is what, you know, Funston and I disagreed a little bit on Gaskin, but we're trying to parse through the information that we have, which is a limited sample. But if you watch the entire Trey Lance experience, you understand of what he is. And if you know how many times I hate that people are the next Josh Allen. But you know what? He was the next Josh Allen in that game because he was rookie Josh Allen. He made some really poor decisions. Sure. He made some yeah. great throws. You saw the ceiling of Trey Lance, but you also saw the floor. And as a rookie, where I agree with Fonz, I agree he's starting before the end of the season. I agree. Actually, having the projections is like 80% of the season. But you have to understand, fantasy will be fun. There's going to be some really frustrating. You, I would expect 150-yard, one-touchdown, three-interception game. Like those are the things yeah. you're gonna have to deal with with Trey Lance. Well, right. and the thing about Josh yeah, Allen is Buffalo was terrible, and they could afford to just let him go out there and take his lumps as the starter. Yeah, San Francisco is concern. good enough to win a Super Bowl right now if they have competent quarterback play. So they have to manage that so that they actually can you know be successful this season. Look at how long Kansas City sat on Patrick Mahomes, right. and Patrick Mahomes yeah. is ten times the prospect that Trevor <laughs> Lance was. Even from Trey college, Lance. but people don't remember. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. but if, Trevor, but if Lance. Trevor, Trevor Lance would be one hell <laughs> of a player. Trevor Lance would be something. <laughs> that would be the best, be be the best quarterback in the history of football. <laughs> you take both. Yeah. <laughs> His middle name is Peyton, by the way. I don't know if you know <laughs> Trevor Peyton Lance. Uh, yeah, that, that's something to th- it, it's something we talked about on this show a few times uh, with respect to Tua Tungavailoa's rookie season in that – there was a that was a competing team, a surprisingly competing team that needed right. a floor of quarterback competency, and that sort of hamstrung uh, Tua that he wasn't allowed to just go out there and learn on the field because this was a team that suddenly was competing for the playoffs. Not sure it's going to be something that faces Lance to the same extent, but something to keep in mind. Another quick thing that I took away from this game is just the way that McCole Hardman was used in it. Uh, definitely, um, if, if you were already in on McCole Hardman, you have to like what you see. And of course, there are plenty of ways where you could paint things where no matter what you see, you can like what you see from a guy unless something like Miles Gaskin situation happens. But the thing you like is that McCole Hardman was in on every single time the Chiefs had three receivers on the field. McCole Hardman was one of those three receivers. So I guess you could take that away from this. Obviously, you know, the Chiefs weren't necessarily using their full uh, complement of weapons in this one, but I like that. Make me feel decent about McCole Hardman. Made me feel like maybe he does get that step up in targets that we're looking for this season. You guys have any take on Hardman or anything else that we saw in this game? He's great in best ball. <laughs> you know, I hate that. You, and you, for everybody that doesn't know, that maybe hasn't listened in the past, I hate that argument, but that's the truth here. I, I honestly don't. I haven't, yeah. and I continue to not want Michael Hardman because. In just a straight just up said, redraft league, you mean? He's, he's, he's not used in too wide. It's Pringle and Demarcus yeah. Robinson, and those touchdowns are going to be there for them. That usage is going to be there. Good. Very similar. I don't know if we're going to have... I think we do. I'm assuming we do have Jaguars on this list of a similar situation. It's just... It's we a do. concerning use. Oh, speaking of the Jaguars, I yeah. see the list. They're next. 
<laughs> and with that, I was teeing him up. And with that, let's get to those Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Brandon, I'm gonna let you take this one first. Why? I was teeing you up perfectly for the transition. Your guy. But this is Brandon's guy, Marvin Jones. He, this guy needs more attention, doesn't he? His guy. Yeah, yeah, I've always been a Marvin Jones. I mean, we all like Marvin Jones, but if if we had to, did, did Brandon uh, write about Marvin him? Jones no, to one of us and I only one of him. us. No, where do you have I'm him? him? All right, go ahead, Jake. I'll go ahead, Jake. I'll just no, no, no. Where do you have him? Where do you have him? I'm actually, I'm genuinely curious. I'm just, um, where do you have him? Okay, I gotta go look. Um, yeah, put him up in your. <laughs> I think I have him like between thirty nine to forty three. I'm looking. Yeah, you're too low. He's not your guy. You hate him. I, I think I'm thirty nine. <laughs> where do you have him, Jake? Wide receiver 33. Woo! And somebody came from Is that because yeah, of the- Somebody did that. Hot take over DJ Shark. And I was like, well, somebody's playing. Somebody's getting those reps. And somebody's getting the number one. And somebody who's had, you know, about 100, 105, 110 targets at most continually produces top 25 numbers. He was wide receiver 16 last year. Nine touchdowns, three What's- to the last four seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I've always you said. Know what you I mean, he just check, literally owns... Me? The touchdown skill. <laughs> you hear that aggressive typing? <laughs> yeah. I'll wait. I'll wait for you to say He's I was been, right. He no, has no, been I'm in not. my Jarvis Landry, uh, Rodney Dangerfield All-Stars. You could have Jarvis Landry. No, I'm just you saying. But Marvin Landry. Jones, Jarvis Landry, <laughs> there are these guys that no one typically wants to draft that continually put up like wide receiver two numbers year in and year out, and no one wants to treat them that way. Mm-hmm. And, and Marvin Jones falls. 3-4-52 for Marvin Jones in the uh, game against the Browns here, by the way. Yeah. And let's also remember that the three weeks three and four last year were one point something and one point something, and he still finished as wide receiver 16. And yeah, like they just volume as the number one. He is touchdown dependent, but I, this is the mm-hmm. argument I made on All in Football with Meany this morning. It's like 600 attempts would be a reasonable number for Trevor Lawrence, especially when Urban Meyer got ticked off that their yeah. offense was too slow yeah, and too black. And you know, yeah. a hundred, if you told me 120, 130 targets for Marvin Jones, I just. That would offset any concern you might have about him being touchdown dependent. And the concern is obviously with Shark missing time. That's really what it comes mm-hmm. down to. And is there what any- I want to bring into this, yes, is there anything else? LaVisca Chenault is only out there in three wide. Uh, Colin Johnson was out there That's in exactly two. That's where I was going, Jake. Yeah, thank you. Exactly I'm not, I'm not, where I was going next. I'm not saying draft Colin Johnson, but I'm saying Chenault, the hype for Hardman is overblown. Well, guess what? Chenault is Hardman's times two. He's going inside <laughs> the top 30 wide receivers, and he's only out there in three wide. I love the talent. This is similar to DeAndre Swift. Love the talent. Hate the situation. If Shark is healthy, it's going to be Shark and Marvin Jones. Yeah. You, the role, It's going to be a roller coaster ride for Chenault. Or, and I like Chenault, but <laughs> hey, best ball only. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that you have to be feeling really worried about the fact that DJ Shark wasn't out there and that was still the way that this team It's actually crazy. Shark. It is Shark, like the the animal. I looked it up. Oh what's God. our what's yes. our Shark and Kels. Shark and Kels. What is our what show. is our time frame on Shark's injury? What's our what? Shark. 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 <laughs> shark. It's still up in the air. It was initially 2 yeah. to 3 weeks when he first got it mm-hmm. and he still hasn't even been on the field and you know what this is coming from somebody, in case also people don't know this, this is somebody that when I wrote his draft profile said he has the makings of an NFL number one wide receiver. Size, speed, strength, can play, does most of the routes well. There are some deficiencies to his game, which he has been working on. And part of the reason he had problems last year was the deficiencies in his game that he needs to improve on. All that being said is <laughs> when you're missing this much time with Lawrence and Urban Meyer and this offense and the amount of options they have, it's not a good thing. I agree. I, I think it, Jacksonville, more than a lot of different places, this is meaningful that you're missing reps with a new quarterback, a new offense, new coach, all that you just said. I think this is a huge leg up for Marvin Jones. Yeah, It's definitely looking that way for sure. Um, let's talk about Donovan Peoples-Jones on the other side of this game. I mean, he looked good, right? And people want to get excited about Donovan Peoples-Jones, and I know that. No. But run first team. Yeah, exactly, Jake. Like, I, I want to get in, too. I want to love Donovan Peoples-Jones. I really liked him in Michigan, and I want to love him. I want to be excited about him, but Brown's run game, Odell, Landry. I mean, what is there even for him out there? Yeah. I mean, yeah. What What do you got? What do you have the Browns uh, projected for? Like 450 pass attempts? No, I have them in the 500s. That's, that's Super Bowl oh. 450. <laughs> this isn't the Ravens. <laughs> no. Well, uh, I mean, they're. They're the they're the most run heavy team in the league. Outside the Ravens. 
Yeah, I guess. If yeah. Count Lamar is no, right. I have him for like mid 500s, but, but all that being said, is, and that's all the point. Yeah, right. With yeah. DPJ, like what's there going to be for him? You're taking this is weird to say in football. First of all, he's still as much as he looked. We're assuming he's passed for Shard Higgins. Shard right, Higgins right. Is, is still played there. More snaps. Like, Higgins played more snaps than him. Exactly. That's yeah. That's my point. It's like he's still not past Higgins yet. Mm-hmm. So let's it's just let's let's paint the scenario he has. Let's say Peoples Jones is definitively the number three wide receiver. Still means nothing on this team unless you're drafting. This is where I was going to go with it. He's kind of the running back version of a wide receiver backup. If something happens to Odell Beckham sure. again, mm-hmm. and he is the number three, mm-hmm. that's where you get excited. Yeah. I think that's a good way to but, think about yeah. him. I want to be But nobody, nobody want... does that. No one drafts yeah, wide well, receiver handcuffs. Yeah, it feels exactly. like burning a... Yeah, well, the good thing about Peoples-Jones is he was undrafted before this weekend, mm-hmm. wasn't he? For the most part, I think. Yeah. You yeah. Check a quick... Uh, yeah. you, could take a, you could take him the 14th round and something happens wide in the receiver, second or third. Wide receiver 92. Sandwiched oh, that's, in between that's Byron, undrafted and then some. <laughs> Byron Pringle and Travis Fulgham. Yeah, so there you go. You yeah. draft them in your 14th round. Something happens to Odell Beckham before uh-huh. the season starts or week one, and then you know you make <clears throat> he's one of your first cuts, if not. Yeah, yeah. I think that's where he lives. A guy who I think is going to make some big plays for the Browns, right? He'll be on like a 2021 sizzle reel of the Browns, uh, but not exactly someone who's going to matter to teams. us all that much in the, uh, in the uh, fantasy <laughs> football world. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, guys, let's move on to our next game here, and it is the Washington football team and the New England Patriots. Another running back situation to take a look into, and that is with Antonio Gibson. I write the question like this, any worries for Antonio Gibson? Because we know that Antonio Gibson is still going to be the go-to guy in this backfield, but the case for him taking a step from where he was last year is built on him maybe having a larger role in the passing game. That's something we would all like to see, but... He did not play any third downs in this game. He actually gave way on one short yardage carry as well, but it's really that passing game usage that we want to see from him that we really didn't see at least on third down. He did have three targets, caught two of them for 14 yards, but the fact that he was out on third downs is maybe a tiny bit concerning. Does it move the needle at all for you, Jake? Mm, it does, and but it doesn't move the needle for me much because, yeah, hey, I'll victory lap, whatever, guys. Uh, that was concerned. <laughs> but I was I was concerned that everybody was making this, and this is where I said, is making this a guarantee. It was like, we want it. I, I actually thought Gibson would see a little bit of an uptick, but nowhere near everybody else. I have him for about 230, 235 carries and about 40 targets. Very similar target number to last year because McKissick is still there. If McKissick fell off the face of the earth, okay, maybe. But the other part that I brought up on this show is Fitzpatrick doesn't throw to his running backs at ton. So that was part of his the quarterback usage on top of it. So this is what I said to Chris on, on the other show is I would have rather seen Gibson out there every single down, barely coming off the field and get zero targets than to be out there, get some targets and never be on third down. You see where I'm going with that? It's like, okay, sure. Yeah. He got some targets yep. while he was out there, but never being out there on third down has to concern you just from an opportunity standpoint. And they use Peyton Barber, and they use Jarrett Patterson late, who looked good. But, I mean, they're going to bring in that stronger running back at times, too. So it's not that I don't like Gibson. I just I think he caps out at, like, a 260-270 touch running back, which is still really valuable, still a high in RB2, but it's really it's the height that was pushing him towards the RB1 tier where it's just I was never in on. Yeah, well, first of all, Antonio Gibson is the – is the more pow- the most powerful running back on the team. Like, um, you know, I just, they don't need to bring him out unless they just don't feel completely comfortable with him on third down, which is fine, which makes him what? Jonathan Taylor, right? Like makes him like, that's his upside is, you know, we, we, you could love Jonathan Taylor, but he's going to get pulled on third downs for Naheem Hines. Might just be no different. And so, you know, maybe we have to learn to live with that. And, and the catches are in the thirties again, but, 
we're talking about a guy who's going to be, you know, he's going to be the guy at the goal line. He's going to be in the in the mid 200s in terms of carries, and that's going to carry a lot of weight and fancy, um, especially if he's, you know, if this team is down at the goal line as much as they were last year. Yeah, uh, that's really, I think, where I landed here. I wanted to see him in there more like what Jake was saying, but with where he sits for this team's backfield and the fact that he already did what he did last year with J.D. McKissick having such a monster role in the passing game, I feel still pretty comfortable with where he is going ADP-wise because that's really what we're talking about here. I mean, it's not like we are taking him as a top five or six running back and now suddenly we get smacked in the face with the reality that he doesn't play on third down at all. Like We were already sort of baking that into the ADP, Mm, so maybe he doesn't take that needs some and maybe we need to do it a little bit more but that's why I think you said right like this doesn't it moves the needle yes but not in such a dramatic degree to where you're really sliding him down the rankings I think that's right for both of you guys right yeah well yeah but see that I was already taking Harris and Taylor and Clyde Edwards Alaire in a similar usage role um J.K. Dobbins yeah so I had him at like RB15 other than C.E.H. wasn't isn't he ahead of all those other guys in or behind those guys in ADP anyways? No, That's I, what think I'm saying. Like, I think he's ahead oh, he's of, ahead like of a, Harris. Yeah. He's ahead of Harris. And oh, ahead of Dobbins. Yeah. Ahead of Dobbins behind Taylor. Yeah. I'm surprised so he's that, ahead of that, Harris already. This, that was my point is more so like, yeah. again, it's just that now maybe he's properly, which is, I have him at 15. I don't hate him at all. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Not every only ten only ten guys can be top ten running backs. So there's definitely no 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 shame in being ranked as an RB fifteen. On the other side of this game, I, I think that I do take away the fact that we just saw a very predictable split from Damian Harris and James White. And you know, while that was to be expected, I think it was just nice to see it. Right? Damian Harris got eight uh, eight snaps with the first team offense as constructed for this preseason game. James White got four. James White was in an obvious passing downs. Damian Harris was in an obvious running downs or more likely to be running downs. And so for me, it was just nice to see that predictability uh, in practice for this backfield and makes me feel pretty comfortable where these two guys are being drafted. Do you guys have anything on that, Brandon, or any other takeaways from this game? No, I, well, I mean, I thought. I mean, we can talk about the quarterbacks, but I, I'm with you on that. Like, I feel I'm. I've been feeling like New England may not be as much of a riddle in the backfield as they've been in the past. And mm-hmm. it, if it's just James White and Damian Harris, I can get behind that. And if it's no Cam Newton, they can really get behind Damian Harris. But um, <laughs> what were, where were you guys at on the quarterbacks? Because I I thought Max. Yeah, you want to talk about those quarterbacks? I thought Mac Jones looked good. I mean, he only averaged like four something yards per. Uh, per throw, <laughs> per yeah. yeah, but he, I saw him throw deep a couple times, and I think if they had a little bit better talent in the wide receiver core, they might have connected on a couple deep balls as well. Uh, I thought Mac Jones seemed cool and collected, and and you know at least his passes were on point. Yeah, Mac Jones is like it came from like Rich Gannon school. Alex Alex Smith, if that's too old for some people, that's exactly what he was, and that's who he was in college. That's what what everybody said about him coming out of college. Look how accurate he is, and he knows where right. throws receivers open all that. So, sure, I I think that if you also look at it, if you're watching from the full lens, is that wasn't the full Cam Newton offense. They didn't let him or ask him to run, and mm-hmm. that which opens you? up. I mean, it just changes the offense for Cam Newton. And I'm not saying that Cam Newton's a better passer accuracy-wise than Mac Jones. I would never make that argument. I just don't know if there's a ton to go off of that game where, yes, Mac Jones looked good. Uh, Do we think Cam Newton's the starter all year? Probably not. But I don't think this is putting anything in the way of Cam Newton's at least starting the season. Uh, if anyone out there is a little is too young for Rich Gannon, go check out that 2002 season because uh, that, that was a fun one. Although he won the MVP that year with 26 touchdown passes. I'm looking at. Can you imagine a quarterback winning an MVP with 26 touchdown passes? I guess it would have to be like Lamar running for 1,500 yards. Yeah, right. For... <laughs> well, I think Gannon. What did he have? He probably had like four or 500 rushing yards that year. I'm guessing he was he a had running 4, quarterback. 700 passing yards, and which is absurd at the time. 156 rushing yards. Three touchdowns. Oh, wow. That's way less than I thought. I remember him being a pretty good running quarterback. Two years before that, he ran for 529 yards. Okay. So, I mean, he was 37 years old that year in 2002 when the Raiders went to the Super Bowl. So, uh, just check out, if you're anyone who's too young, check out some Rich Gannon highlights. That was a, a very fun season, the 2002 uh, o- Oakland. God, yeah, they were, they were, they had to have been Oakland then. 2002 Oakland Raiders. <laughs> uh, and the Raiders moving around way too much for any of us to keep track of. Uh, let's keep track of where we're here and go to the next game Cardinals and Cowboys. Rondale, more time, guys. I am nothing stopping me now. I know that 
say what you will about who was involved and who wasn't involved in the offense. Uh, I'm nothing stopping me from getting Rondale Moore on my teams because they clearly, clearly made it a priority to get the ball in his hands. He played six snaps at the starting unit, four targets and two carries. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good percentage of opportunities to snaps. I turned the five touches into 39 yards. I'm all over Rondale Moore. Loved him at Purdue. Loved him coming out. Loved the landing spot. I think they're going to be very creative in how they use him. Jake, uh, I know you're concerned about how many opportunities he gets once the actual football starts. Do you take anything away from this performance? No, I take away. People need to run back the tape and play preseason last year. You want to replace Rondell Moore's name? LaVisca yes, Chenault. This is everything everybody was saying about Chenault last year in the preseason. They're manufacturing touches. They're finding a way to get a ball in his hand. Look at how dangerous he is in this way and that way and everything. Yes, great. Great for real football. Great for Rondell Moore. And great for Rondell Moore in 2022, not where 2021 is. <laughs> With a team that is was one win away from making the playoffs, didn't necessarily have a need for Rondale Moore, was 6-3 and three at one point with wins over the Seahawks and Bills. Would they use a second-round pick on a guy who is a year-ahead pick? Sure. Uh, see, I disagree time. that they didn't have a need. I mean, they've had, like, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, and then that was Christian Kirk. They've been banging their head against the wall with him. You know, uh, Larry Fitzgerald retired, so, you know, they go out and get A.J. Green and bring in Rondo Moore, but they've forever been trying to get, like, a solidifying a fourth receiver in this spread offense, and they haven't really been able to get a guy. So I think they had a need. Um, yeah, I, I'm kind of with Jake. I mean, it's nice to – I think they're going to try to manufacture some touches, but, you know, um, that can be very volatile week in and week out, you know, and especially things can change when DeAndre Hopkins on the field and mm -hmm. suddenly Kyler Murray only has eyes for DeAndre. I'm going to set like a week seven calendar reminder right now to uh, victory lap the crap out of you guys on Rondale Moore when we get to that point. Of <laughs> Do you really season. think you're going to need a reminder if like Rondale Moore goes, you know, nine touches no, or he, a touchdown to, a week when, two? When you're setting a calendar for a year and a half from now, that's you, it's, you have to. <laughs> uh, exactly. Good, good, good points all around. Uh, anything else, Brandon, that you take away from this Cardinals-Cowboys game? Um, I'm trying to think. Uh. You know, you had the note about C.D. Lamb playing on the outside and Gallup playing on the inside. That's good. I think that's good because C.D. Lamb is not just a he's not just a slot receiver. The guy is he's absolutely can be on the outside. And I think it's just good, you know, to show that they can move him around. And so I think I'll just be good for his upside. So uh was was happy to see that, that he's not just being slotted into the slot only. Jake, anything you took away from this game other than uh, Rondell Moore? You can jump on that wide receiver bit. Anything else that you had from this one? No. Next. <laughs> wow. Next. Right. Let's do it. Let's move on to the Denver Broncos. Uh, Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler is who I want to start off here. Broncos and Vikings getting together for a preseason game in week one. And Judy and Hamler look the part of what I think the Broncos are going to ask for them. We all know the, the big highlight play from KJ Hamler in this one. Jerry Judy caught one pass. It went for 33 yards. There's some big playability in this offense. We want to find the right quarterback to get it out of them. Uh, Cortland Sutton didn't play in this one. So when you look at this group from what we saw in this week one preseason game, Jake, do you draw any conclusions or not conclusions, but do you draw any takeaways that change the way you think about Judy Sutton Hamler or this entire passing game? No, I, you know, you guys know I'm one of the highest on KJ Hamler. Uh, I've actually, Emory might have even been higher than I was coming out of college. He might have been the highest, highest on Hamler. Uh, was, yeah. But this is this is excitement for Hamler. And I mentioned, I tweeted this out if everybody wants to go back and look. I kind of gave the draft profile on the fact that he is smaller in size, which is going to lead to him getting bumped by some bigger corners. And partly, the good thing from Hamler's side of things that we also saw in that game, one of the things I said when he came out of college, is that his size, I think, gets in his own head sometimes. Like, you'll see him get into his own space but then hesitate because he sees a defender coming mm -hmm. and understand he doesn't want to get destroyed. So what I said, he's he's Cole Beasley with a little bit more upside when he was coming out of college and because he has a little bit bigger, big play downfield upside than Beasley does. But if you're telling me the floor is Beasley, which I think it could be, what has Beasley done? Is similar to Marvin Jones, been underrated for year after year after year after yeah. year and just finishes as like a wide receiver two fringe last year. 
I say all that to also say is keep him in mind if Sutton's not healthy. I don't think there's enough for Hamler to bring in consistency. He falls into the Chenault and the Rondo more, and like he's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. And in DFS, if you had him in your lineup that week, it'd be a lot of fun. To go back mm-hmm. to the best ball joke, he'll be a lot of fun. But on a week in, a week out, if Sutton is healthy and ready, and ready it's going to be Sutton and Judy, and that's really what it comes yeah. down to. Yeah, I was just going to say Brandon I was going to say the same thing just because, you know, in, at the end yeah. of the day, Denver is going to actually lead with its backfield. And I just can't get to the point where I'm all about, you know, Sutton and Judy pushing a thousand yards, Fant getting 600 and what's left for Hamler. I just, you know, mm-hmm. week there'll be weeks, but it won't be consistent. Well, let's get to that backfield. then. I want to put this one to you, Brandon. Another guy that both you guys have been on this offseason is Javante Williams. Uh, Melvin, Melvin Gordon did not play in this game. Javante Williams had the lead in the backfield. He played 10 of the 17 starting unit snaps. Is that a blueprint? Did we just see the Javante Williams blueprint where he can get maybe two-thirds of the work out of the backfield or three-fifths of the work out of the backfield? I, I think so, yeah. I think it's kind of the blueprint. Maybe not in week one, but uh, you know, at, at some point, I think fairly early on, I think Jake and I are on the same page with this, that, that you know, it's going to be a split with Gordon, and Gordon might be leading that split early, but at some point, it's going to flip-flop. And I thought Javante Williams looked good, and um, my kind of perspective on things hasn't really changed. Yeah, you know, I thought Javante Williams was taken over by week six, so and more than Melvin Gordon sits out, the more opportunities Williams has to shine. And so, for, also, it's funny you mentioned it earlier in the show, Beller, about the second team when we're talking about Fields. Is you'll see a lot of people, well, Mike Boone and this guy wasn't out there, and this wasn't in like, and like, oh god, it's like it, it's don't. I'll say, I'm not trying to laud us. You are listening to our show, but if you're listening to this show, you've also you're seeing us go through our own initial thoughts and whether or not mm-hmm. we are changing don't look for so i forget i think it was tj hernandez somebody tweeted out and said don't look for the person that goes into something with looking for the stats to back up what they already think look at somebody who goes into it with an open mind and does that change their opinion and that's what i say it's like we're seeing so far as javante williams is the guy and I, I think that the Broncos really have no qualms with that whatsoever. And we see that maybe uh, start right off the bat or relatively early in the season, even though we know Melvin Gordon is going to have a meaningful role right. in the backfield. It could be Javante's backfield in terms of just being the leader of it. Uh, I do want to get into the uh, Buccaneers and Bengals uh, just because I did think there were a couple of interesting things to take from that game. The first of which uh, is maybe just confirmation of what we already knew, but it's nice to see that Giovanni Bernard was in there for third downs for the Bucks, and the Bucks did play their guys, right? Tom Brady was out there, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski, and they played all together, right? Every, every Every single Tom Brady snap, you had Evans, Godwin, and Gronk on the field. So the Buccaneers, so long as Brady was in the game, treated it like we would expect them to treat a normal game. And we did see Gio out there on third downs with Brady. So very nice to see. This is a backfield we spent a lot of time talking about last year. It's a backfield we spent a decent amount of time talking about this summer. Gio probably doesn't really break through in any meaningful rushing way so long as Ronald Jones and uh, Leonard Fournette are both healthy. Is there enough here, Brandon, to make him a late-round dart as just a pure pass-catching guy similar to what James White was in Brady's New England days? Yeah, I don't think it's going to be up to the level of James White, maybe like a middle-class version of James White. But I would think that this is exactly the reason probably Tom Brady was in the year talking about we need to bring somebody in on third downs because you know he had problems with Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette when he was you know dropping the ball off to him not being happy with you know results at times so I think this is very specifically what his role will be and I think it's damning to Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette, maybe more so to Leonard Fournette, who had you know had a lot of those of that third down role last year, and I just think those two are splitting, they're splitting you know first and second downs, and I think third down is going to probably end up being owned by Geo. Yeah, I'm out on this. I made the joke earlier in the episode. Just draft the backup somewhere else. <laughs> There's three guys yeah. involved, and I think Gio will be the pass catcher, but I don't think it'll be the James White where you can trust him everything. I'll, I think it'll go back to not his great season, but the two seasons ago, Duke Johnson, where it's like you got mm-hmm. five double-digit double scores, but good luck guessing which five weeks those are going to be because good luck figuring out which are going to be the Ronald Jones games or which are going to be the Leonard Fournette games. you got to get down to two. Three, three running backs, uh, I don't want anything to do with it. <laughs> And uh, 
hold on. Let, let's all mention the fact that Tom Brady did not have Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, and Rob Gronk. He had Rob Gronkowski and Julian Edelman, but he did not have this litany of like this three <laughs> wide true. receivers true. when he was with the Patriots. <laughs> That's true. Those last few uh, years in New England, he uh, Brady would have, I don't know, like swum across the Charles River and back to get one of these guys <laughs> on his team. Brady might have done that anyways. He might have just done that for – there might be some this TB12 is, regimen that involves is, swimming in Wednesday some dirty workout. river. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on the other side of this game, just want to talk about the receivers because this is something we're going to be um, you know, looking at a lot. And you're going to have to – like we all – everyone it seems like would like to get involved on – Jamar Chase or T. Higgins or Tyler Boyd. We've talked about it a lot already on this show. We know that Joe Burrow leads Jake's pass attempt projections, and this is going to be, even if he doesn't literally lead the league, he's going to be in the top three. Feels pretty safe to assume that. This team also had six snaps for its first team. Uh, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins were out there for all six. Tyler Boyd was out there for four. Is this just as expected, Jake, with these wide receivers? That sort of breakdown usage? And, and like Tyler Boyd is going to be similar to some of the other like the three wides where it's more reliable because of his because there isn't a tight end involved a whole lot. Uh, so you don't have to worry about that. I mean, there's some about the secret, as Pat Mayo would say, the secret of the Uzma, uh, CJ Uzma out there is maybe a late round dart throw in a deeper league for a tight end situation. Really, but yeah. yeah, you would have to be super deep at that point. But, you know, Chase tight Higgins. Yeah, 20, 21 and 22 for me, Chase and Higgins back to back. We've had this conversation multiple times already. And Boyd is at 37. And I, I haven't, they didn't move one inkling. I didn't change their projections uh, at all. We just lost Brandon. We lost him or you cut him out? I thought you were getting ready to no, go to no. commercial. <laughs> no, no, Brandon's gone. It's just going to be you and me for a little bit, Jake. Do you have anything you want to <laughs> say about Brandon? While he's not here, well, about Brandon, <laughs> is he's he's hilarious when he's drunk because then he doesn't look you in the eyes; he looks you in the neck. <laughs> uh, I'm with you on these guys. Here he is; he's coming back. Hey, Brandon, where'd you go, man? I, I have no idea where I you went. You should have heard what the scathing the... things Jake said about you when you were gone. I mean, I've got him on tape. I'll send him to you on the side. We can talk about it. If you need to go to HR or something, we can. You know, I'll support you because it was. Whew. It was just another day working at the <laughs> athletic with Jake Seeley, you know, uh, as long as he didn't say anything bad about my guy, Tyler. Boyd, no, no. Uh, is, I mean, okay. is, is this I mean, did, did you, the status quo, basically what you expected and you feel good about these receivers with what we saw in this first game? Yeah, and it's hard, you know, without Joe Burrow out yeah. there, it's also hard to kind of make any kind of, you know, meaningful, meaningful takeaways. But uh, yeah, I think it's we're still just business as usual. Yeah. We'll carry it over to week two yeah. and we can talk about it after then. Love, 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 love investing in this passing game. I, I barely care who I get. I just want to have a piece of this <laughs> passing game because they're all good. Go all the way to you know Burrow and the receivers. They're all good players. They're all going to get plenty of opportunity. I just want a piece of this Cincinnati passing game. It feels like uh, Carson Palmer, Chad Johnson, and TJ Hushmanzada back in our lives where you just wanted to be invested because so much good stuff is going to happen there. There's one more game I want to get to, and then we'll just sort of throw everything else into a, a big bin together. It is the Steelers and the Eagles. And guys, is Zach Ertz going to be annoying all season? Is he going to do this to us? Is he really going to just stick in Philly and take away Dallas Goddard as a locked-in top-10 receiver? He played seven snaps with Jalen Hurts. Dallas Goddard played five. I don't want to read too much into that, but Jake, can we just assume that if he's there, he's going to have enough of a role that Goddard doesn't take off in the way we want him to? 100%. And and now, again, this isn't a gross uh, overreaction or moving anything down, but Goddard was nine for me in front of Thomas and Tanya, and now he's behind Thomas and Tanya, just because exactly what we saw is maybe Ertz does get still traded. Maybe something happens in the preseason, an injury, or you know, the, maybe they're trying to showcase Ertz still has something left because they really, really, really want to trade him. But until Ertz is gone and off this team, it's just these, it's this two. I'll go back to OJ Howard and Cameron Bray. And it's not as similar in the fact that he's the better blocker and that, but when you have two tight ends and fantasy, you have none. Yeah, I kind of am keeping the faith that he gets moved because he's really – it reminds me of like Robinson Cano on a rebuilding Mariners team. He just sticks out like a sore thumb. He just, Thank you for alienating He's completely anti the audience, He's got the blonde listening. hair too to help him stick out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like he doesn't fit here. You know, they're everywhere they're at, they're they're rebuilding basically at quarterback and at wide receiver and they got run young backfield and, and Zachary's just getting in the way. <laughs> right, exactly. Like a- so I'm, I'm, I'm still going to – 
still giving a better than 50% chance he gets moved. To do like a, a Sesame Street, one of these things is not like the other segment with the <laughs> yes. Eagles, like Jalen Hurts and That's right. all the and, and Devontae Smith and Miles Sanders and Dallas Go Goddard. put him on the Man, bills. What, what, What's Zach Ertz? What's Zach Ertz <laughs> doing here? Uh, speaking of those wide receivers, uh, let's talk about those Eagles wide receivers for just a second here. No Devontae Smith. Uh, as we said, uh, Jalen Hurts got 10 snaps in this game. Uh, Travis Fulgham was out there for all of them. Quez Watkins played eight. Jalen Rager played eight. Quez Watkins had the big highlight play, the 79-yard touchdown. Brandon, have you taken anything away from the wide receiver usage for the Eagles in this one? No, I, the only one I'm interested in is Devonta mm-hmm. Smith. Look, at, I'm, I'm not in on Jalen Rager. I'm not in on any of the other wide receivers. If they go into the season and Smith's not there, then I'm just moving on. I, I'll, I'll be interested when Smith shows up. I'm off the show. You spelled Fulgham's name wrong, dude. That's it. I'm out of here. His name's not even on the screen here. I mean, maybe in this little background show sheet that no one needs to know even exists. Yeah, Yeah. I'm going to call you out on that. You're going to disrespect someone from ODU. I'm going to start spelling my name with like a T or something. You know what? So every every time we talk about Travis Fulgham, I screw this up because I have a friend with this last name who pronounces it Fulgham, and he spells it with a U also. And so so I finally saying saying, well because it's not spelled with a U, but now I'm not spelling it right. Yeah, just think of him as Fulgham and Ager. So that <laughs> is that your saying of the day, Ham and Ager? Yeah. Was, yes, anyway, let's move yes. on. We don't care about Quez Watkins. He was basically filling the Devontae Smith yeah. role anyway. All right, really quick. Steelers wide receiver usage in this one. No Ben Roethlisberger. Mason Rudolph was out there. 17 snaps for the first team offense in Pittsburgh. Uh, Deontay Johnson played all 17. Juju 15. Chase Claypool 14. Does that meet your expectations, Jake? Yeah, you're too low on Deontay and too high on Chase Claypool. I've been saying the entire time. Brandon? Yeah, nothing, nothing, nothing to add to that. Yeah. Not that I hate Claypool, just where he's going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the fact that Deontay was out there for all of them, I think, does Deontay. let you know a little bit about how this team looks at its wide receivers. We've got one more segment to get to. Any other Week One preseason takeaways that you guys want to get into? Obviously, we didn't hit on every game. Is there anything here? Is there an overreaction you're indulging in? Anything else from the games we didn't get to that you want to talk about before we call the show? Uh, Jake, why don't you take this one first? Yeah, I'll get one that I don't think is an overreaction. It's highly concerning at tight end as Adam Trotman, and you know how much I love Trotman. Uh, but when you're, what do we want from tight ends? Not just snaps. You need to be running routes and mm-hmm. the snaps and the routes. Blocking. Yeah, a lot of blocking, not a lot of routes running. Uh, things could change and get more aggressiveness for this offense with Jameis Winston, but Trotman and, and his, the usage is concerning, and he did slide back a few spots before. Like I was taking him with the upside over Johnu, not knowing his you know split use and Irv Smith, but I, I would probably go both those guys over Trotman at this point. It's funny. My takeaway was got. was just the Saints in general that I think this could be a crap show of an offense. You know, it's not Drew Brees anymore, and you had you had six turnovers from this offense, three interceptions, one from Taysom Hill, one from Jameis Winston. You have no Michael Thomas for, you know, who knows, maybe close oh, to wow. half a seat. Yeah, for a while. Um, maybe the entire season. Maybe he's uh people trying to un- push Marquez <laughs> Callaway on us, but you know what really it comes down to it just might just be a bad offense in general. Um mm-hmm. and that's something that we're gonna have to get maybe used to thinking about, something we haven't talked about in a long, long time with the Saints. Very true, and something that we could be looking back on as recently as soon as this year and certainly in years to come is just all those missed playoff opportunities and the the defensive pass interference that wasn't called against the Rams, a team that was so consistently good, so consistently a Super Bowl contender over the last couple of years of Drew Brees' career, never took advantage of it, and maybe that ends up being a window that is always lamented in New Orleans. We're going to close the window on this show here on the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Thank you to everyone who joined us live on YouTube, and of course, we love you guys listening on the app and on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts as well. Rate, review, subscribe, all of that fun stuff. Me, Jake, and Brandon, we are back with you later this week. That'll be on Thursday. The Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast returns on Wednesday with Nando DeFino, Chris Vaccaro, and Brandon Marianne Lee. Until then, thanks for listening. Thanks for being with us. We'll talk to you all soon.